love doing things like this for you, Ben. It's, uh, you, you, you've made some great inroads in this business, and you're the future. That's why I do this for you. Hey everyone, Benjamin Block here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Block's Corner. On today's show, I'll be joined by New York Sports Day's managing editor and good friend of mine, Rich Mancuso. Rich has chronicled boxing and baseball, among other sports, for roughly four decades now, and I couldn't think of a better person to help make sense of the offseason for the Mets and Yankees so far, or the buzz that has seemingly returned to the boxing ring. He's a refreshing throwback to sports journalism, always a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy listening to it, as I had a lot of fun making it. Now, here's Rich Mancuso and I on Block's Corner. There's a lot going on, obviously, Mets, Yankees, boxing, but I'd rather start with baseball right now. You're, you're a beat guy for the Mets anyway, so let's start there. Today, they, they non-tenured uh, Wilmer Flores, fan favorite. There's a lot of talk about the Cano deal uh, and Edwin coming down the pike. So what's your thoughts on all that? Well, okay, we'll start with uh, what's going on here. You know, Mets fans have to understand that um, they want a winning, they want a winning team, and they got a general manager who's very aggressive, who's now on the other side of business. It's a general manager as opposed to an agent, so that's an advantage to the point that Buddy Van Wagenen has the contacts with the players and the agents. And so that enables him to have a little bit of an advantage. And it's not a conflict of interest, it's just that he has an advantage. Wilma Flores non-tended surprised me today. Really? Uh, yeah, because I thought he was very, uh, you know, this was a, what you call a, 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 a versatile ball player that could come off the bench, fill a role in the infield, and even at times if he had to play the outfield, he did. Uh, a good player, good role player, a good guy off the bench, and could start as well when he had the chance. He's had, he had a good, you know, fan favorite, too, with the Mets fans. So I'm surprised that they made Wilma move on, and I don't think he's going to get re-signed to come back. So that was a surprise. That caught me and a lot of people off guard. But then you look at it, that that leads to more moves that the Mets are making under the new regime. Yeah, what do you and, think is going on? I mean, one of those moves also was Travis Darno re-signing him. Well, see, now re-signing Darno to me, was the wrong move. This is a guy who should have not been tendered because the Mets definitely need a good, healthy, stable, productive catcher. And they don't have that with him or Kevin Ploiecki or Thomas Nito, their third guy backup. Uh, I, I mean... right. This is a position the Mets deeply need some help with, and that's something I still think they're going to address. And they might end up, uh, you know, they they tendered Travis. I just, you know, and it probably has to do with numbers, money and numbers, and that's why they tendered her. And they might be protected. I think he's a four-year or five-year player by now. The problem with Travis Denard is that he's never healthy, and he hasn't shown how he could stay on the field. And, and he's not, you know, he shows some signs of life when he's healthy, but then he goes into those spurts. It doesn't help the team. So uh, the Mets have a priority to go get a catcher. What I see happening with this Robbins Cano coming, which hasn't been officially announced yet, and it will, it's just that they're finishing up uh, the money aspect of this with the contract. The Mets will have to pay a certain million, a certain amount of the $120 million he still owed over a few years. So you know they're just and, figuring out the financials and it's yeah, just a matter of time? Out, right. They're figuring that out. Okay. They're also figuring out maybe one or two players that may uh, a prospect that go or not go, but I, I think that's pretty much set. And that's been where a lot of controversy is because Robinson Cano, 36 years of age, does not make them much, much younger or athletic at second base. And Met fans are always looking at second base as a jinx. It's never worked out. And through the years, Roberto Lalabar and, and right. name, you know, guys like that, and you guys can't look at that. That's in the past. We're looking at the future here. Cano does add some power if he's Robinson Cano, and you're not going to get 
the Robinson Cano that played for the Yankees in the Bronx a few years back. What you're going to get is an older veteran ball player who hopefully is steroid-free because he brings some excess baggage to the position as well. And uh, uh, some production. He's expected to play every day. And what's good is that they didn't have to get rid of Jeff McNeil. Originally, he was going to be in this deal. Yeah, and last I heard from what was reported is that he doesn't have to be part of this deal in order to no, get Cano and Diaz, right? Which is good. And, and uh, Cano uh, will handle second, maybe even go to third at point, but you could see McNeil and Todd Frazier platooning at third base. And that keeps McNeil on the team. I would rather see McNeil playing every day, but they wanted to get a closer. And here is the predicament, and this is why Mets fans are enraged, majority don't like the situation. Yeah, I don't get the I don't get the belly aching. Fifty seven saves. I mean, talk to me about yeah. that. Well, I'll tell you why. As a baseball person will tell you, you're jumping leagues. You're going from to another league. Okay. All right. That he's very familiar with the twenty four year old mm-hmm. Edwin Diaz. He has success. We know it. Fifty seven saves. Very hard to duplicate the following year. The last time that happened. In baseball, and the last time it happened, especially uh, with the Mets, it happened. If we remember uh, K-Rod, all right? and uh, Yeah, Mets fans remember him very well. Very well, until he got himself into a predicament and some family squabbles and trouble. Yeah, to put it lightly, yes. He had 62 saves with the Angels, and the Mets pick him up. Mm-hmm. And yes, he had 30 maybe the following year, or 35, maybe even 40, if I recall right. Mm-hmm. But after that, it all went downhill. You can't duplicate 62 saves again the following year. It just doesn't happen. And now, even more, the way baseball is made, done with analytics and the structure of yeah. 57 saves, two consecutive years, or 57 or more, it's just not going to happen. However, the Mets get a quality closer to, to start filling the needs of this bullpen that was a disaster the last couple of years, even last year, next to last in baseball. Yeah. And that's why Jacob DeGrom wasn't a 20-game winner. No, no doubt. The, why he won the Cy Young Award. No question. Edwin Diaz had a very good fastball. He can throw a good curve. He's got a good sinker. He throws them all from all the pitches. And this guy can, he knows strike zone. He knows what to hit. And, and that's a good addition. So, Listen, Rich, great. I'm looking up the numbers right now, right? I mean, we know yeah. the 57 saves is an astronomical number. It was a great and, year. It was through. ERA. So listen to this, right? You got 73 innings pitched. The guy struck out 124 batters and right. walked only 17. But here's my point. Go back to uh, 16 and 17. He shows some real consistency. 88 strikeouts, 89 strikeouts, 15 right. walks, 32 walks. The guy has shown that he can be consistent. Last year was a bump in production, so I don't think it's totally fair to freak out like they are the comparisons to K-Rod. You know, he hasn't been on the DL either. So that's another thing. You got to wonder how. That's a how, that's a great point because yeah, the right. Mets. And how, many, how can he? You know, if the Mets have the proper medical team as they say they do now, he stays healthy. But how consistent and, and how many years in a row can a guy not beginning he's thrown and the way he throws the ball where he's, he's bound to get hurt? I'm not wishing that on the guy, but uh, it comes down to again, Ben that. The Mets got a closer. Mm-hmm. And this deal was primarily focused on getting a closer. It should be centered on Robinson Cano. Do I like the deal? Absolutely not. And the reason I don't like it is because you don't need Robinson Cano. You don't need to incur that money, get that salary, whatever part of it they got. Well, what are you hearing? He's he's owed $120 million over five years. What are you hearing the Mets well, are going to pick not, up? Nobody really knows, but they're not looking to pay half, maybe half of that. So the Mets will be on the hook for about seventy mil, you think, for five yeah, years? Which cu- which cuts back a bit of their spending ability that they wanted to do this offseason, which I still think they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I heard today, this is uh, the, the 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 other thing is that first this this team wants to make sure this new manager, new regime. 
they have made it known. The time they got to contend next year, and it's not the manager Mickey Callaway's in jeopardy, which shouldn't, he shouldn't take the fall because he's a good manager. No, but the Riggleman hire has a lot of raised eyebrows. No, it sure does. <laughs> they have to get rid of Callaway. There's your replacement. That's he's sitting right next to him this year. But then Callaway is this pitching guru, and Dave Island, the pitching coach, and that they, and the strength of the Mets pitching, uh, the Mets team is pitching, which leads to this other situation that's developing. Okay, we've been hearing we've been hearing about Noah Syndergaard, uh-huh. at, which would be which would be another disaster for Mets fans. And I totally agree; you can't break up this young core of arms they have, which is the strength of this Mets team. I agree, but for some reason. Noah Syndergaard's on the training block. And, yeah, I don't get that. Well, the, here's what, what it is. The Mets might be able to get the catcher they want out of that. They could get Austin Hedges of the Padres, who was originally discussed at a potential deal with the Padres for Noah Syndergaard. Right, they already missed and, out on Jan Gomes, who signed with the Nationals on today, right, Friday. Right, right. And they could also get prospects out of the Padres organization if they're willing to part with some of them not including Fernando Tatis Jr., who the Padres say now is untouchable. And by the way, he's not major league ready anyway. So he, his scouts have told me he's not ready, and the Padres know that as well. They've said that. So they would probably get hedges out of that deal, maybe another pitcher, mm-hmm. and some prospects. Because you're talking Noah Syndergaard, all right? Who, who, it's a big uh, deal. Had his, yeah, and he's had his injuries. But he's also a mainstay, a big part of this uh, Mets young pitching core, and he's not even in his prime of his career yet, okay? Uh-huh. Now, here's the situation that I heard today. Okay. There have been reports that the Mets are looking possibly at signing Gio Gonzalez to a deal. Yeah, I think I, I, think I saw you on Twitter talking about that. Yeah, well, I talked to Gio a couple times today, and he's not telling me. Uh, he claims he heard nothing. He's heard nothing. Yeah, but they're looking. His agent is Scott Boris, so there is a there's a potential to this talk. Uh, Scott Boris and the Mets are tight, especially with Buddy Van Wagen, the new general manager, that, uh, who knows him real well. Mm-hmm. Um, Gio would love to pitch in New York, and, and, and especially City Field, where he had tremendous success. And during the season, the second trip in New York when he was with the Nationals, mm-hmm. you know, he wins at City Field. And he came out publicly and said, I love City Field. It's my favorite ballpark. I love New York. I love Medfield because he has family here. He's familiar with it. He's comfortable here. He loves the atmosphere. He loves the city. He loves pitching here in New York. Okay? Yeah. Um, now, 33 years of age, Gio Gonzalez is on the tail end of his career. You know, a few years ago, he came one vote short of being a Cy Younger winner and award winner in the National League. Mm-hmm. I think by putting this all together with the reports that I'm getting that Gio Gonzalez could be offered a contract by the Mets, but it all depends on Noah Syndergaard. Now, Jason Vargas is still in the Mets plan for another two years on the control. They signed him as a free agent last year. Yep. Uh, he's the other left-hander. The Mets could use another left-hander in the rotation. So what this leading to, Brent, what I'm trying to say is a lot of creativity, a lot of uh, exploring a lot of things that are going to happen this offseason with the Mets. They are going to be very, very active. They might be the most active team in baseball this offseason. A total revamp of the roster. I mean, you're not going to see Jay Bruce no more. You're not going to see Anthony Swarzak, who was a total waste last year, as a signing, the free agent pickup out of the bullpen. Wilma Flores is already gone. You might not even see Travis Bernard back, even though they tend to get, but I don't know if the rules. Well, for now, yeah. For now, he's a part. Yeah. But you're right. Van Wagenen right. has been very aggressive, yeah. and he's it's been creative. Be, yeah. And yeah. he's yeah. built a, He started out by building a team around himself in the front office, some great pieces there. Let me uh, let me just touch on one thing. You mentioned about left-handed pitching, which I totally agree with you. I think it's a it's a... It's a big thing that they need to address. And with guys like, you hear names like Zach Britton and Adam Adovino that are being tossed around. But one name that I don't understand is uh, Andrew Miller. Why are the Mets not going after this guy? Well, they are. They are. They are. I know he's coming off an injury. An injury uh, they have, uh, they have, they're looking reportedly at medical records. 
makes sense. And, I get that. And uh, they, they were exploring that possibility. And see, that's the other part of this controversy with getting Edwin Diaz and trading away the prospects to get Diaz and Cano. Um, the Mets, and a lot of fans, I could agree with them on this point. They could have let Diaz alone and spent money on a quality free agent or two for the bullpen, which I still think they're going to do. I still think they're going to go out, spend money, and get one or two wall arms for that bullpen. Okay? So, All right. But that's another part of the controversy. There are a lot of quality relief pitchers on the market right now, and today even more were freed up when they were intended. So um, they expect a very busy offseason by this team going into the winter meetings, which I'll be at in a week from Sunday. I was just going to ask you, you going down? Yeah. Yes, I'll be there. All right, great. And uh, there'll be a lot, not only for the Mets, but the Yankees and, and a lot of other teams. The sport of baseball, Major League Baseball right now is wide open. And they see, you know, the general managers, the owners, general managers, they see how teams quickly turn it around. Like the Red Sox did in one year, won a world championship with a record number of wins, and how youth and athleticism have taken over this, uh, uh, taken over baseball. And 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 you know what's interesting too? Yeah, what's and that? This is going to drag. You're two coveted top free agents that are available: Manny Machado, Bryce Harper. Those two might have to wait it out. You think so? Yeah, I they've been so. very quiet. You know, for two guys who are meg, who are going to be mega signings for whoever picks yeah. them up, it's been rather dry and and boring exactly. almost. And you know what, uh, Brent? I could tell you that I, I don't have a clue. The, 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 right now, the leading team supposedly for for Bryce Harper are the Philadelphia Phillies. They got a lot of money. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about that. Yeah, and there's a need a need for Bryce Harper in their lineup, but. And I say but all the time. <laughs> the Yankees have the money as well. And they always seem to get what they want. And this could come down to that. That the Yankees could end up signing a bright topper. I don't think that's gonna happen, but you never know. Yeah, there's some of the Yankees yeah, there's some some Yankees people that I that I've spoken to that seem convinced that Bryce Harper at first base is gonna happen and but then, you know, you read something hours later that says Manny Machano says that he, the only yeah. team he'd play third base for would be the Yankees because everyone knows that he wants to play short. So well, The Yankees are going to have a sit-down, I'm sure, with Machado and then make a decision after that. But when you look at it, there might be a need for him with D.D. Yeah, exactly. Early, mid-summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, first base is Luke Voigt unless he loses it in the spring. And Greg Bird, you don't know. And I think they might eventually give up on him completely. I think he's uh, hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And then this comes up of today. And as I wrote on New York Sports Day yesterday, this is the time of year where, you know, it's a baseball fan's paradise. And everyone in baseball. Because it's all about rumors and gossip. And it doesn't happen till it happens. So you're going to hear so much. Like today, you're hearing another Yankee possible move. Gary Sanchez goes to Miami with the Marlins and with Derek Jeter, and then the Yankees get, uh, get Ramuto, the top hitting catcher in the game. Yeah, that was the latest headlines. You're right. Yeah, right. Now, I mean, the headlines are changing awesome. every day, though, heading into the winter meetings, so you don't know what to think. That's why they call it the hot stove. Clearly, yeah. There's a lot to talk about, and really nobody knows everything. I would not. Rule that out because of the connection with the Yankees and Jeter and the fact that Gary Sanchez, though he wasn't healthy all year, we know that. He had the surgery on the shoulder this offseason already. Um, but Gary Sanchez, a healthy Gary Sanchez, is the best hitter in the Yankees lineup. Oh, yeah. Pure hitter, for sure. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it would be a little... Uh, I think it would be a little negligent for the Yankees to give up on Gary Sanchez, even if it means a swap yeah. with Real Muto. I know Real yeah. Muto is proven, and and he would be great. But the fact is, I think giving up on Gary Sanchez at 25 because he had a bad year and an injury-plagued year, I think that's nonsense. And then you, you get Ramuto, you got two more years because he's on the, he's still got two more years of uh, on the control, so they'll get a player on the control. Yeah, oh, and Gary, Gary good point. Still, still has a few years before he's open for arbitration or ten, whatever it is. But that's a good point. Uh, 
I, I don't know if that'll happen. I, I think that right now that's strictly a rumor that comes up. And again, uh, I mean, it, during the winter meeting, there'll be some moves. The Yankees have to fill those needs. They they got to find two bullpen guys. I don't know if David Robinson's going to be back or Zach Britt. Uh, so they're going to fill voids there. They're going to fill a void at uh, uh, they re-signing Brett Gardner and T.C. Sabathia. The Yankee fans said it was bad. What's bad about it? You signed two veterans back. I don't know. What, what fans What fans are those? Because I think that's a great move, and I've heard nothing but positives. So I think they overpaid for Sabathia $8 million for one year. But then again, you're talking the Yankees. They have the money to do it. But they bring Gardner back and Sabathia because of their veteran presence. Yeah, and I think and they appreciate it, especially Sabathia. I think they appreciate him for 2009. I know Cashman says yeah. that he doesn't dole out contracts based on what players have done for them, but I think right. this may be a special case. He's a future Hall of Famer. So. And let's face it, Brett Gardner, when he, when he, uh, he had a little off year, but have you ever seen a better defensive plus fielder? No, he, and he doesn't get nearly the respect, the the outfield no. assists, and and the intangibles of the the routes that he takes to balls. It's a very underrated skill set. Uh, you know, the guy doesn't play like a like a veteran. You know, this guy plays like he's a veteran, but he plays like a youngster. Yeah, and he still and, got he still got average speed, maybe above average man. speed. And he should lead off. That's what they got to do. Lead him off. He can only help himself uh, if no, the bat if the bat him. wakes up. And they need him, but but Brian Cashman again said today that uh, that's what they're looking for. He's been saying it for the longest that they they got to get two guys in the bullpen to fill the gap, especially because they know they're pretty sure that Robinson and Britton are not coming back. So uh, so let's. What do you do with Jay Jay Hack? You know that's another thing. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how much that start against the Boston Red Sox in you know. In, in the postseason weighs on their mind because yeah. really, you know, in, in the latter part of the regular season, he was great, and so was Britain. And Britain fell to the same to the same destiny that Happ well, did. You, you he was very disappointing Yankees, in the postseason. I know, but you see, the only thing with the Yankees is, is as all the teams, uh-huh. and with the word analytics, they've got to be the top team with the top analytics department of baseball. Maybe next to the Red Sox right now. I don't know, but it could be. But uh, they play analytics, and they look for the players that do well within their division, in particular, how to overtake the Red Sox. And, and that's why Hap came to the Bronx, because he was, and he had it. He, he, look, he was 6-0 and when he became a Yankee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He just, because he failed in the postseason against the Red Sox, so they're saying, don't sign him back. I'd bring him back if he can. And he and, and it and he was specifically on top of being dominant against everybody in the American League in the regular season when he came over to the Yankees. He was brought over specifically to beat Boston, and he was doing yeah. that in the regular yeah. season. And that's why I think it was so shocking that he just imploded in that first inning in the postseason. Yeah. But I don't think that's enough to wave him and, and say goodbye no, to him. No, I don't. No, I mean I, I I'm pretty sure that. Uh, whether they re- bring him back or not, that they're going to sign Corb- James Corbin. They're going to sign him. I think Corbin's a done deal. He may yeah, get he I, may get more money than he deserves, but I think he's going to be uh, in pinstripes in, in the next few not, days. I know they're not going to sign pitchers to deals of five or more years because they're done with that. Which they shouldn't. Uh, right. Uh, but they'll spend. They, they will spend because they have any team in baseball could spend. You know it's the Yankees. And they are at the, you know, their luxury tax and their threshold, they can spend. So they did well with that. They got salary off the table and they have money they can, they, they will spend them. They have it. They'll use it. So who do you and think comes out, who do you think comes out a winner after the winter meetings? I know it's different circumstances, the needs that the Yankees have and the needs that the Mets have, the money regard, that's involved. But In regard to the Yankees and Mets? It's it's a little bit of apples and oranges, but who do you think um, comes out a winner based upon what they need to address? Out of the two teams now, the Yankees and the Mets. Yeah, exactly. I think, well, I, I think the Yankees will because uh, they have uh, a few holes to fill. And let's face it, they got the money and players want to play for the Yankees because they know they could get to the World Series. So I think they'll get the right nucleus to fill the holes that they have, and they will, but the Mets will be right behind them. And, 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 you know, I say right behind, but the way things are going right now, 
then go in the winter meetings, and after that, a totally revamped team where they're going to look so much better, and they'll have a shot to even be better than the Phillies and Braves next season, which, by the way, uh, you know, the Braves made their moves already with Donaldson and Brian McCann. I like the, I like adding that veteran leadership to that team because they were on yeah. the cusp and they mm-hmm. clearly lacked exactly that. Uh, it's it, It'll be interesting to see what Donaldson actually brings to the table because I remember earlier when in, in the beginning of the 2018 season when he was on the Blue Jays, you know, there was games where he couldn't even make the throw to first base. I mean, his arm was oh, beyond yeah. dead. So, exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the, one of their scouts told me today at the Braves that um, he might have been overpaid, mm-hmm. but but it but for the team right now, it definitely helps. And even Brian McCann will fill right in at the catcher spot. Uh, so they just got better with those two acquisitions. And the Phillies, though, good point. A team would. Bryce Harper sacked in between what they already have, and they might get another starter or two as well. They got money to spend too. So the Phillies could be the team uh, we'll look at between now and the winter meetings and after the winter meetings. I can tell you, the winter meetings, I'm not going to get no rest. It's going to, no, it, it, yeah. <laughs> get your sleep now, Rich. It's going to be an absolute yeah. whirlwind, and don't it's leave the Phillies four, out because Machado could very games. easily end up there. Get your trades during the winter meetings. In the last few years, it's slacked off. You did more free agent signings during yeah. that time. But something tells me, with the way things are going now, yeah. because of the way contracts are set and everything and what's been happening in, already since the end of the World Series, that I think the winter meetings are going to be really interesting next week. Oh, yeah. You're going you're gonna to need like six thumbs to, to tweet and, and about 20 fingers to type oh, a million articles. Tell me. <laughs> I apologize to my followers if my tweets are spelled wrong or any of my social media platforms because I'm typing this, typing that, and doing three things at once. I think I think they'll understand. Just put out a disclaimer. Apologies ahead of time, but yeah. stay with me. Yeah. Um, but that's good stuff on the Mets and Yankees. Uh, really good points. Let's transition over to boxing. I mean, uh-huh. you've been in this boxing game for so long, and I really do feel like there was a bit of a lull, but i got to be honest, there's so much to be excited about at all different weight classes, but let's start at the top because that's the that's the division that's on Showcase Saturday night. you got Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder with Joshua waiting in the wings. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, the heavyweight division, once again, is starting to get a little more relevance than it's had in a long time. Uh, and before I jump to analyzing where that's at, I mean... You, Boxing's not dead, as I keep writing. It's hot. And, and you have to appreciate what you're seeing with the networks and the streaming networks and the fighters are, are making this happen. I yeah, mean, we're going to talk about the zone because that's a big know, deal. That Yeah, I mean, that's a big two, deal. Uh, you got the heavyweight division, but you also, the two other hot divisions in my book are 147 across the welterweight and even the light heavyweight. Oh, uh, 147, 147 yeah. is fantastic. Oh, I mean, if you haven't win. seen if you haven't yeah. seen Terence Crawford fight, I mean, you are yeah. just you're absolutely missing out. Yeah, Crawford, and we'll talk about those guys if you have the time. Spence, Crawford, and Sean Porter, Keith Thurman coming back, Danny Garcia, Errol Spence, Earl Spence is God maybe the best. You yeah, because everyone's going to want to see Spence against Crawford. Yeah, Spence and Crawford which, has ha- which might be hard to do because you have. The two different networks, the two different promoters. You got Top Rank and ESPN, and you got the Zone Network. Or show, or Spencer's with the PBC Showtime Fox deal. So and it's going to be hard. That's right. It's always, it's always right. difficult, as we saw already a few years ago with Pacquiao Mayweather to, to work out two different promoters with two different networks. And who's going to get a share of that? And who's going to televise what? It's not easy to do. Yeah. And Bob Byram's under the uh, uh, conclusion that he's got to do it, that it's his, that he, and he's a long-time Hall of Fame promoter, that he should have uh, his first priority in doing everything. Oh, is that is that the word? Yeah, you may not see a fight like that right away, which is a shame because boxing fans will get robbed, but eventually they're going to have to do it. That well, I mean, I mean that's you know, that's the positive thing, right? Because so many fights fall by the wayside because yeah. people have egos involved, they have politics involved, guys right. don't want to give up belts. But 
what I at least what I find encouraging about it is that stuff is still going to persist. No, no question about it. But the good thing is, yeah. there's there's an overflow of great talent where when that does happen, you just turn the page to the next one. I mean, there's so many great matchups out there. And look at what's going on. Uh, the fighters that are coming out of the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, there's a plethora of, of great fighters coming from there. Yeah, how about and that? Russia. How about Bivol, right? Yeah, Bivol is a, to me, I mean, I, and I've been around the sport a long time. And I've seen his last four fights up close. What do you think? And, and, you know, for a guy that's now has 15 professional fights, and uh, he's looked like he's fought 40 fights. He is technical. He's technical, and he's a fighter and a boxer at the same time. 15 and 0. He may not knock guys. He may not knock the guys out. No, but he's efficient. That's right. He goes the distance because he's smart. Mentally smart, he knows what he's doing in there. He's got a great jab. He goes to the body, and he's got fabulous footwork, which a fighter should have. And he's the, he's the epitome of that. And here's a guy from Russia, just where, where Sergey Kovalov is from, uh, Lomachenko. There's a name, yeah. Of that, you know, another guy could be the top pound for pound who's fighting in New York next weekend at the Garden. Lomachenko uh, is a fantastic fighter to watch yeah, if you're interested Lomachenko, in. In technicality. And all of a sudden, Janani Galachlan, with these losses to Canelo Alvarez, is not in that uh, talk anymore, but he's still there. Yeah, Gennady, so he's still there. He's slid a little bit, even though I, I do think that he got slighted in that first matchup. Yeah, the sec- the second lost. one, yeah. you know, the second one deserved to go to Canelo, I, I think, fair fair enough. But you touched on Sergey Kovalev. Now, about a year ago, if you had asked me, who this kid Bivol would face as he's rising the ranks, I would have said Kovalev, no question. But Kovalev has slid a lot further in his division than well, I didn't expect him to lose to Alvarez. Then Golovkin has slid in his. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, Kovalev looked terrible in that Alvarez loss. I mean, he looked. I mean, he just looked terrible. He wasn't the same fighter. No, he he didn't have any counter punching ability at all. Once he got Kovalev, ro- rocked a couple times. Laval would like to fight him. He said that last weekend down in Atlantic City. Did he really? He called yeah, him out? Gonna, yeah, because, because they know each other well. Uh, and uh, they're from the same uh, country, the same area, and they know each other a long time. But that's not going to happen right away. No, I mean... Kovalov has to wait in line now again. And, and, and even, a, even if, you know, if Kovalov had maybe more of a personality, that, that, that could maybe take over for the fact that well, his talent level has slid a little bit. But he doesn't have that. Yeah, but he's going to have his rematch with Alvarez uh, in February. And they're announcing that next weekend here in New York. Oh, when when Lomachenko's in town? Yeah, it's going to be on a top-ranked ESPN fight. Okay. Um, we'll look out for I that. Know, I forgot where they're going to do it. I, I don't remember the venue already, but they're making it all official next weekend here in New York at the Garden. Oh, that'll be that'll be interesting. I mean, that'll that it'll and and it'll be a must win because he can't he he won't be able to survive the two losses to Andre Ward and then the two losses to this guy. His his career will be in serious trouble. The Andre Ward fights took a lot out of Kovalov. Yeah, that took years off of his life. I think. (laughs) He had three tough fights with Andre Ward, and the last one took a lot out of him. All right, so we're getting sidetracked here. As much as I enjoy this conversation, we're getting sidetracked away from the Wilder Fury fight uh, happening Saturday we night. We have to talk about that. Uh, I just wrote about that tonight. Uh, to talk about this uh, crossover between a heavyweight, uh, an undefeated heavyweight fighter from from the England, uh, who's a crossover a WWE wrestler. Uh, named the Big Show. That's what he reminds me of. That's a throwback to your old days. Keep it in the ring, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I, 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 I respect Tyson Fury, and I respect all the trials and tribulations he's been through with over, overcoming drug and alcohol abuse and depression and all that. Uh-huh. But let's face it, you know, he beat, he beat Klitschko for the title, okay? And that got him on the map for sure. But can we ever take this guy seriously? 
I mean, I, I really do think he's going to give Deontay Wilder a fight tomorrow night at the Staples Center on pay-per-view. I, I, I agree. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree. See that I because of his height and reach. He's so, uh, you know, I mean, he's not, he doesn't look like a fighter. He looks like a pro wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Um, he well, he never did. Yeah. Even be even before he ballooned up to four hundred pounds and got into the drugs and drinking and depression. Yeah, and and you gotta you gotta look at it being as I wrote tonight. Can we take him seriously? Uh, I mean, you're gonna spend money to watch this fight, and you don't know what you're gonna get tomorrow night. But I think he's gonna give Wilder a fight because Deontay's gonna have a problem reaching him. And uh, but you know. Deontay Wilder, when he gets it going and when he sees the right moment, will manage somehow to get the right in with that power that he has. So, you know, I could see this fight going the distance as well. And it all depends on the momentum of the beginning of the rounds of this fight. Because uh, I, I, Wilder is going to probably be very, very cautious. I, and probably he will. And he's going to hold back a bit and just play with him a little bit. See, because there's going to, there's definitely going to be a lot of hugging and a lot of pushing and shoving. Who do you think is going to be doing the, the tying up? You think that's going to be coming uh, from well, Fury? I, I, I think that that's the way Fury fights, and I think you'll see more of that from Fury. And it could end up, it could end up getting into a brawl there uh, because. There is animosity, but I, Deontay won't... Well, they almost came to blows, yeah, in the press conference. Yeah, they were separate. The way in today, they had, they had to keep them apart. Yeah. They didn't even have that face-off, the traditional face-off. Yeah, I don't think they could snap a picture. They were It was too no. much confrontation. No, it was too much, too much. <laughs> and that's another thing. See, things like that don't help the sport, especially in the heavyweight division, Ben, because uh, you want to promote the sport the right way. Now, what, when uh, Tyson Fury acts the way he is, whether it's showmanship or not, I, I don't like that. I mean, Muhammad Ali did that, but he did it in the right way. He promoted himself. And he did it around, you know, he was a comedian at the same time. Um, well, Dante Wilder got involved in this by opening his mouth and cursing as well. I don't like when these fighters go up there in a press conference or wherever, at a weigh-in, a press conference or whatever, and they start cursing all over the place. And everybody thinks that's great. I don't agree with it. It doesn't give an image of a pro fighter being a respected professional athlete. And I don't go for it. But this is what they do today. And the public loves it. So, you know, if nobody says anything, they'll continue to do it. Yeah, the public so. does The public does eat it up. And I, I agree with you. I don't really know what it takes for someone to possess the personality and the charisma, but I agree. Both of these guys, for whatever the reason, just they can't, they don't have a balance of both. I mean, Fury no. runs off at the mouth whenever he can. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. It's like, it's like Adrian Broner. You don't know when's the time. He's well, he's another, he's a whole nother level. I mean, you know, he's even bringing personality out of Pacquiao at their press conferences, but. No. But that guy has, uh, he he's just, I think he needs to grow up, that kid. Well, you know what? I use this word, and I hate to use it, okay? I really do. And I can get knocked, and I won't I won't write it because I know what's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I have a feeling what the it, word is. I call it Thugsville. I am not, I am not for it. And, and um, you know, I mean... Uh, I see too much of this the last few years in boxing, a sport that I love, that I write about, that I report, and that I love. But there's got to be where, uh, where, where it's got to, you know, it has to meet. It has to end. Listen, I get it, right? I mean, look, some of the some of the some of the draw, at least for me, and I think other writers in the business also, is the draw to boxing is these guys have incredible coming up stories that impacts their personality but you look at a guy like terence crawford i'll reference him again he came from hard times he right. came from a mother who i don't even think ever said hey i love you she right. gave him tough love he had a hard life growing up but he for the most part says the right thing and composes himself cursed, if he got be cursed in public he get his mother would slap him in the face right so these guys like they jared make a choice jared, jared heard's fighting tomorrow night uh-huh he didn't have an easy life growing up, but, you know. None of them his do. Mother, his mother 
uh, will not tolerate the disrespect. And so Jared Hurd gets up there, and you've never met a nicer, more professional athlete, a person in general that can talk sensible, doesn't use obscenities, and, and, and gives respect to where he's at and the, his, other, his fellow opponents that he fights. I mean, that's what you want. That promotes the sport. You don't need this, what I call Thugsville. I'm sorry to say it. That's what it is. And I, I detest it, and I hate to see it, and I hate to hear it. Now, I've been already attacked by using that word out in public and saying that. And a couple of fighters have said, I heard you, a manager said, I heard you call my fighter a thug. I said, no, you heard it didn't hear from me. I didn't say that. Okay? I think you have a talented fighter. But I'd say he was a thug. All right? But... Your actions show that you can be a thug, and there's no need for that in boxing. Listen, you know, you you know, you use the word that you want to use, but it broils down to a very similar thing, which is, you know, how you choose to articulate it. And listen, you've been sitting ringside for for years gone past. I mean, you, you used to sit next to Burt Sugar, so uh, you you do carry a little bit of clout in this game, and I I respect your opinion and your thoughts on on the game and how it's evolved. So uh, you're within your right. So what do you uh, so you see so you see Fury and uh, Wilder going the distance possibly, or or what else I do you see, think? I look at it. I look at I'm, I'm the I'm. My predictions, I, I don't know if you can go with them or not. And you can't predict the fight no more. But Virtually I've impossible. Pretty, <laughs> I've been pretty accurate over the last, last couple of years with the, with the way it's been going. But then I look at it two ways, this fight tomorrow night. Okay. I, if if uh, Fury wants to brawl, uh, he'll get exhausted. He's not in the shape that Wilder is. Wilder came in at 212 pounds at the weigh-in today. Uh, I think that's the lowest weight he's ever been. Two twenty? No, a little less. Two twelve. God, for six foot seven, that's trim. Yeah, he's he's in great shape. Okay. okay, and he's been for his last couple of fights. So if Fury wants to brawl and throw and oh whatever, he might get nailed. He'll lose his steam. Okay, I could see a typical Deontay Wilder championship fight where he takes us into the later rounds. All right, mm-hmm. and he and he gets that energy, and he knows how to preserve his energy in the early rounds. So the beginning, beginning of the fight, the first few rounds, I think, going to be very interesting to watch as they look at each other and see. I don't think you're going to see much action, but it could be interesting. I don't think and so from the fun. Fury side, at least. Right. No, no. And now, uh, if Deontay cannot stop him by the tenth, then it goes to decision. And that's where the three judges are going to have to look at and see who drew the best body punches. Because I know there's going to be a lot of brawling in this fight tomorrow. A lot of hugging and a lot of breaks by the referee. Uh, I can see a lot of action in the ropes. Uh, the guy, though, that, that has clearly the better skills, no doubt, Deontay Wilder. But Tyson Fury is no slouch. And you have to take him seriously. Because he does have the ability to knock someone out with the height and reach. But uh, I could see it in two ways, a late stoppage by Deontay or a decision in his favor. Okay. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I look at going into this fight is I fear confidence as it relates to Fury. Because he's going to be a guy, like you said, right? He's going to look to tie up, look to extend the fight as long as he can. But if I'm Wilder, I would be guarding very carefully against giving him any shred of confidence right, because I think right. that he that he's great at that. He's great at taking his openings and right. and and to your point, being as good of a counter puncher and and a big puncher. If he's given just the slightest window um, in the later rounds, I think uh, that could be something to watch for. But I, yeah. I I I agree with you. I'm I'm more in the Wilder corner. I just think he needs to be smart. That's all. Because the one is going to get Anthony Joshua, which is what the world wants to see. Let's be honest. Right, and Joshua Wilder has been in the works for the last year, and it's just about all set. But Deontay has to do his part and win this fight tomorrow night, mm-hmm. uh, and that will be, you know, the face of the heavyweight division. I mean, the heavyweight division has all of a sudden made a revival. There's a buzz. Yeah, how about Jer- how about Jarrell Miller, Big Baby Miller? Yeah. Yeah, big baby Miller. He's going to get his shot. Eddie Hearn is going to yeah. give this kid a shot yeah. sooner or later, don't you think? 
yeah, I I don't look at him as uh, uh, holding one of the major titles. I, uh, to me, he's got it and he doesn't have it. I mean, again, I think this is a guy that that has the talent and the ability, but I think if he's you know, a Deontay Wilder, if you fought him, or even an Anthony Joshua, would, I think would manhandle. You know, Miller, if he is, he's probably going to attack me. Because I respect him, and I think he, you know, and I really respect, respect every fighter, and I respect Baby Miller's ability. Yeah, uh, but you're right. Anthony Joshua is, is Joshua in another league. I'd almost like to see, I'd almost like to see Miller and Fury fight. <laughs> yeah, that would be that. That might become a, a, a WWE. Yeah. Personality-wise, they meet. They may need but some extra security I, I, with that. But to me, the two class fighters in this division right now are Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. Um, I like Brian Jennings. I like the way Top Rank has been promoting him down in Philadelphia. Yeah, there's a name. I, I, there's a guy that could come up. Um, you know, guys like that, and, and there are a lot of other heavyweights starting to make that rise. I saw Jennings, uh, I think we were we were sitting ringside for that, Jennings Klitschko, um, yeah. I think in 2016, and he put on, and Klitschko had a lot of flattering things to say about him after the match. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and so it's opened up, <laughs> excuse me, it's opened up. Yeah. But the heavyweight division all of a sudden, it's become the talk of boxing again, and it was, that's what had the sport, that's what held the sport, it was the face of the sport for years. Uh, that no longer is. It may never still be, but it's starting to get a buzz, as I wrote. And, um, you know, this fight tomorrow night, could, again, it could continue uh, the, the, uh, the continued uh, uh, rejuvenation of the heavyweight division in boxing, or it could hurt it. Yeah. It's... If you have, you know, if you have a fight that's going to be controversial or dull or stupid, it's going to hurt the division, and not only that, it'll hurt boxing overall. So I hope we don't see that. It, yeah, and I wonder if those guys are carrying that into that into the fight with them because there's so much uh, riding on it besides you know, how the they perform. The day, I don't know. At the end of the day, you very rarely see two fighters in their camps at odds at the end of a fight. There's always a respect. That's why I love the sport so much because you get and this is not stage. This is not theatrics. There is animosity, but at the end, yeah, what they do is what a lot of others don't do, and even more than any other athlete in any pro sport. Two warriors in the ring going at it. The definition to go after your opponent to take him out. It's a brutal sport, and in the end, what you see most of the time, not a majority of the time. Is two fighters embracing when it's over and complimenting each other. Still a little animosity, but they offer the respect to each other. Sure. I don't. I don't know if Tyson Fury has that in him to do that if he loses this fight tomorrow night. That's the one thing I look. I. I you know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you. You hope it doesn't happen. And this is a. It's okay. a poor. This is a. A poor comparison, I think. But it's the only thing I can think of, and it's topical because it's recent. But you don't want to see something. Uh, like like what happened, you know, in the UFC with Conor McGregor and Khabib, and and what happened after that fight. And I don't totally, think yeah. I don't yeah. think Fury would take it to those lengths, or people around them certain certainly wouldn't let them go to those lengths. But I agree with you. That's part of what I love about boxing is the lead up. The fight itself can be yeah. absolutely brutal, but there's that mutual respect and after the after the bell because, because there are there are. It's a fraternity overall. It's a very competitive industry. And the fighters but maintain that for the most part, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of respect. They cross paths, whether it's in another fight, another promotion, or in the gyms. Uh, and there's that respect with each other, what they do. And not many can do what they do. It is the best sport in the world, and I cover them all. But, like, but the boxing's always been my passion, as everyone knows. And the reason I love it again so much is because... It starts from the street where a kid comes out of a broken home or on the street and it goes into a boxing gym, has nothing, and it becomes something of somebody. It becomes a better person. It's and that respect. And that respect, you know, you've written about it too. You see it. You, you know, it, it, that's what you got to love about it. And it's the competition too. I mean, to see two guys go at it for twelve rounds, uh, you know, you don't want to see a boring fight. You get a lot of those, but. To have the right decision to rendered by the three prime mice at ringside, as I call them, the three judges. 
25 mics. You want to see that, and it's getting a little better. Within the last few years, we have seen some really awkward, stupid decisions. Yeah, well, that Julie is it. Julie Letterman is that is that the uh, is that the ref that just completely? No, no that that was no. We had we've had the Tina. We've had uh, oh a uh, uh, bird bird. Sorry, uh, right. Um, Vegas, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I would never have her judge a fight again, but she was suspended. She was left alone, and now she's back at it again. But I don't think she'll ever do a major championship fight because the backlash on that would be true. It was it was too much, and and uh, I didn't mean to call out Julie Letterman there. She's a good judge, but um, let let let's shift over. Um, sure. Let's shift over to. I'm yours. Whatever you want to talk. About. I want. Well, I want to talk about Canelo Alvarez. He's coming yeah. to the Garden the week after. Uh, Lomachenko invades MSG. Yeah, New York is very hot right now. And I like season. to I like to see that. Listen, I get the tax breaks in Las Vegas. I get the advantages are out there, but it's nice to see fights come into the Garden, especially Canelo, who's going to be kicking off yeah. the first of his what ten fight, three hundred and sixty five yeah. million dollar deal that Oscar De La Hoya got him with the Zone. I mean, are the you kidding rich, me? The, the richest athlete in sports. How about that? Yeah. I. I well, maybe after the baseball winter meeting, someone will surpass him. Who knows? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. This is this is uh, unprecedented in boxing. Oh, for sure. Money. There's a lot of money out there in the sport. You got Eddie Hearn came into the picture with a lot of money, uh, and he's got the money to pay these guys, and he's getting a lot of fighters too. He's signing them left and right, and still though, you got Fox and the PBC now that aligned, and you know. Fox has got most of the fighters that have been on Showtime, but they're working together under the same banner, the PBC. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll share some of them, but most of the action is going to be on Fox in the new year. It all begins in New York at Barclays Center January uh, on the 22nd. That's why we have three straight fights in New York coming up, three weeks in a row. On the 22nd at Barclays, you got the you got the uh, uh, Charlotte brothers, the twins, fighting separate fights, championship fights. And, um, you know, so that's going to be on uh, Fox. And then every two weeks after that, Fox is going to have a premier show. PBC promoted a show on Fox, a lot of money in the deal, and you're going to see all the major fighters that are part of the mix, especially 147, uh, 168, you know, all those divisions that are hot right now in the sport. And Fox is going to have that. The public is going to see it on Saturday nights, every two weeks throughout the whole year. That's important. That's a a tremendous boost for the sport. That's look. That's important. And I get a lot. uh, I I get that. You know the the pay per view or the equivalent of pay per view. You know, pay for streaming is not going to go away. But what do you think about HBO boxing uh, being being finished, being no more? That's kind of a big deal, no? It's sad, but you saw it coming in the last two years because they weren't doing as many telecasts, and most of all, they were losing the fighters. Well, because no one wanted, yeah, no one wanted to pay ninety dollars to see a boring fight either. You couldn't pay; they couldn't pay the fighters with the promoters. They were being outbidded by others, and that's because HBO was pumping more money into programming than in their boxing division, and they and the competition to them got a little stronger because you had the PBC using all these guys that some they had. And you had Oscar De La Hoya with a stable of fighters, except for Camilo Alvarez, and didn't have as many to, to, that HBO felt was marketable enough for them to be, you know, that they could put money into. So it comes down to the money. It comes down to all of that. And that's why HBO, after all these years, it's hard to believe that they're no longer going to be a part of this. But something tells me, Ben, just like a lot of other things in the sport or in the world of sports, fun and games, as I call it, that HBO will make a comeback somehow next, maybe next year or the year after. They got all that history. Yeah, and 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 I mean the the twenty four seven show that they put together and and all this other uh, outside the ring stuff. I enjoyed it. So I mean, like you said, I saw, I, I did hear the rumblings like everybody else. But at the same time, I think when it app when it actually finished, I think with that Daniel Jacobs, uh, his last fight at the theater in the garden, I think that was the last telecast. It was a little shocking. So, yeah, yeah, they they got one more on December 8th and 
they they were going to have uh, Truquito Gonzalez, you know, to, you know, who was at one time the top pound for pound fighter in the sport, but he's off that card now. I think he's hurt, so uh, they lose one right there on their final telecast. But I think they've got the top two females in the sport that are on the card, and uh, I got to look at the entire card. I'm oh, all right. Busy. I'm going to be at the Garden that night, the top rank in Lomachenko. So. Oh, for the Lomachenko Pedraza? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll be there too. I'll see. I'll see you ringside. Yeah, That'll be a good one. That, that's going to be a dynamite fight, and and, and you know, it sold out. It sold out when the fight was first announced, and it, it should be in the big arena at the Garden, but the, the Rangers are there that night, so they couldn't get the big arena. That's what they wanted. Yeah, I don't they think won. Lomachenko's had the big house. I think he's fought in the in the Hulu Theater every time, which is fine. He, it's a it's a great he, venue. He, he wants to fight in New York. He want he requests the top rank that I fight in New York. Oh, that's where he wants to fight. He loves it here. Oh yeah, that's and where and, he wants to fight. Yeah, so, and all and all the all the Russian based fans so they, will they, they will fill him, that place no the, problem. They gave him the date. ESPN, of course, the static about it because they. Uh, that that's their big draw with top rank was Lomachenko. So uh, they don't have enough room to accommodate the media. They had to turn a lot of media guys away. So if you got to approve, like you're lucky because a lot of guys did not get in to cover this fight. They have no room. They have none. Yeah, I I may, I may not even be at ringside, which is very rare. They might have me sitting in the rafters with the fans, and the, I understand they're setting up a press section up in the stands, and plus the balcony area. The two well, yeah. I don't care. I want to be there. I want to see that. Fight. I gotta be. I gotta be honest with you. I think I saw. I think they put me up there for a triple G fight once, and it, you're kind of in the not wings. There. You're not that far away, and not at all. And no, that plus, I tell you, when you sit at ringside, you can get distracted as well. It, it's all nice to be up close, but well, you get distracted because you got. Uh, well, we got a job to do. Yeah, and, you, and, and if you're up there, you, just, you get a better, you get, get an overview more. I told people at top rank, put me wherever you want. I just want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely uh, right. I'm so looking you, forward to the next few weeks of boxing in New York. Nope. Uh, yeah. and then Canelo and Robert Felding, which should be an interesting fight because Felding is really not known here. Uh, but uh, UK guy, right? Yeah, he's, he's a junior middleweight, cha- super middleweight champ, and Canelo's looking to get another title. Uh, and if he wins that, then he has two, but I assume that he'll vacate that. And I think I read that Canelo wants to go back to 160 after this fight, yeah. too. Yeah, no, he's a middleweight. I, I, you know, he, this will enable him to fight in a little extra weight, which I think is a disadvantage to him. Yeah, I like him at a. I like him at a at a lower weight. <laughs> the the bad the bad meat he ate in Mexico, right? Yeah, but that, yeah, bad contaminated meat, right? Okay. Yeah, twice. And I and I eat contaminated cheese that puts up weight to me, right? <laughs> um, but um, now I it's going to be an interesting fight, and there's a very good undercard, by the way. That's in the main arena. And I'm looking forward to... Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. That Tom Ali and Mauricio Herrera, an old friend. Uh, I'm looking forward to that fight. I haven't seen... I I haven't seen Saddam fight since... uh, since he beat Cotto, you know, yeah. it, in his finale. And then I know that he went on to another fight shortly after yeah. that, and he got KO'd pretty badly. Yeah. He lost the title, uh, which is, I, I should know that off the top of my head. I just... Can't think of it right. Regardless, he, he, he's coming back and he's fighting uh, Mauricio Herrera, who hasn't been active at all in the last year. All right. Well, he'll have all of Brooklyn behind you know, him. And, and Herrera also is a former champion. Just, just he, 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 he felt over the a couple of years ago when he fought Danny Garcia that he won that fight, and I thought he did. I thought he beat Danny Garcia by decision, but he, they didn't give it to him. It was a close, controversial ending. Oh, is that right? You thought yeah. so? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh So he's coming back. He's fighting Saddam Ali, and that's an interesting fight to watch on the undercards. And there's a couple of other good fights. I Ryan Garcia. That's the kid I wanted to ask you about. Have you seen this kid? I have. This kid's yeah. fighting under Golden Boys, you know, with the direction yeah. of Oscar De La Hoya, yeah. and he's drawing the comparisons of being, you know, the good-looking, pretty boxer. But that aside, this kid has phenomenal hand speed, and he's going to be on that undercard for Canelo. Yeah. I've seen him. He's got good footwork, too. And again, as I told you moments ago, fighting has good footwork, and it goes with some nice power. 
you can go somewhere. Yeah, this I've seen that. I've seen that over the years, and it's just gotten better with some of these fighters we have today. Yeah, this kid is something else. His last fight was a was a knockout thirty seconds into the first round or something like yeah. that. Um, but I look for him to make a huge step. I mean, and especially in New York, it's uh, a good performance from him is gonna is gonna go double. I think. Yeah. You know, it's nice to see New York is busy with the sport. And it's nice to see the sport very busy. Uh, you know, anyone who tells me, ah, boxing's dead, well, all you got to do, look at the calendar and look at what's going on. The sport is far from dead. It's just that you got to draw these fans back that went away. And the problem is you got to get the right demographic back. You, you, know, do- a lot of these, you know, that's the thing. You got the UFC, young people who have swayed to the UFC. But, you know, slowly but surely, they'll come back. Listen, it's not as big as it was. It's all cyclical. And you and I, we appreciate, I think, more of the subtleties of the sport. So that obviously plays a big part. But I kind of think also, you know, fans like, they like a big attraction. And there's really nothing bigger than a heavyweight being knocked out or going down. They want to see that. So I think... Fans want to see knockouts. And they want to see knockouts of huge heavyweights. And when they don't see a knockout, they boo. They want to see a knockout. It's nice to see a fight go 12 rounds, but a knockout is what they want to see. And I don't think you're going to see one tomorrow night again with with Fury and uh, Wilder. I don't just see that, but... If either one of those behemoth guys goes down, you're going to hear it. Oh, yeah. It's funny because, like, like not to go back uh, completely, but I think of those two, you know who I see delivering the knockout? I actually see Fury being the one to deliver the knockout. Just, oh, just Yeah. But I, I see Wilder outlasting him and outperforming him. But if there yeah. were to be a knockout, I think it comes from Fury. Yeah. But, it, it, uh, it, it, it all, again, depends on the pace of this fight at the beginning. And where we are, uh, you know, it could end early. I don't think it will. And again, I, I, I either going to go the distance or or uh, Deontay will uh, have a late stoppage. And Fury just can't keep up with the pace. Because, you know, Deontay finds that right opening with that right. You're going to go down. So yeah. His fight with Luis Ortiz, that was, that was something. If you think Ortiz is winning that fight and Deontay's losing, and then Deontay just comes back with that power. He's so old school. That's why I love him. Yeah, they say he's orthodox, but he he may be orthodox, but he's unconventional with his tactics, oh. and, and he's scary. And he could be a very good face for that division if he be, if he goes on and beats Joshua. If not, Anthony Joshua will will become, and I think you'll see if he does unify his title, which is very hard to do. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna unify it. Uh, no matter no matter who he faces, and you'll see him more in the United States fighting here. That's what people want to see. Uh, people are yeah. clamoring to Eddie Hearn. Every well, time I see Eddie Hearn in New York, the fans are saying, "Bring Joshua here," and he hasn't done so yet. Well, because if you could get seventy thousand, eighty thousand people at Wembley or another arena out there. That's where the excitement is. That's where the buzz is. That's why they go there. It's a good point. Listen, yeah, as good as the garden is, it only seats 20,000. Joshua is treated like a king over there. I know. And he's not going to get that treatment here. So uh, he's got his fans here, but eventually I'm sure you'll see Joshua fight here. Eddie Hearn has made it known, and they're already doing it. They're taking his fights everywhere. And he's going to book as many arenas as possible, even in the smaller counties of the country yeah he just put on a he just put on a fight at in kansas, kansas. no disrespect yeah. to the midwest but uh i mean you don't see that very often so i think he's no, trying to spread the word of the zone for he's sure spread it out and uh he's got the zone network which was uh you know uh, another part of where this industry has gone with streaming networks and little by little pay-per-view will be less and less and it is uh, and, you know, when you look at it, they're following the mode of the WWE and their network. <laughs> you, know, they, you know, Vince McMahon and WWE, which I used to be a part of, uh, they've got the network. And they're making, and they got, uh, they, they hold forth with over a million five uh, subscribers and yeah. more. Yeah, listen, and, love or hate, love or hate wrestling, and, the, you know, the blueprint they've laid out is phenomenal. You know, they, they still call it a pay-per-view event, but it's not, because for nine ninety nine a month, and they aren't promoting them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. 
But for nine ninety nine a month, you're watching a wrestling show every month, and you're not showing out sixty dollars a month. People Rich, don't have that money. You could listen, Rich. You want to feel free to end this, end this with a, a keep it in the ring. Be my guest. <laughs> there you go let's end on that note boxing is is in a great position the mets and yankees are about to do some big things we just have to sit back and wait and find out and i wish you the best of luck in the winter meetings down there get your sleep now and i appreciate you coming on rich this was fun i don't know what the word sleep means <laughs> well try and find out before you go down there competitive world of fun and games known as sports, especially with the two that I'm very, very active with. And by the way, it's soccer as well now in my repertoire. Oh yeah, I see you following the NYCFC yeah. on, yeah, on Twitter I, there. I've become a soccer bump and never thought I would be, but I love the sport. That's great. Um, so in this world of fun and games, there's no room to sleep. It's 24-7, it's, that's all it is. It's uh, And you know what? As I come to the tail end of my career, and whenever I decide to hang it up, you can't have anything better than this. It's better than a nine-to-five. I tell everyone that. The job where it's demanding, but it's better than going to a nine-to-five in an office every day. There's diversity, and it's fun. And you're reporting sports, which you love. So Bad day in the press box beats a good day in the office, yeah. right? And you eat well, too. Yeah, they do feed. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I thank the Lord every day to give me this continued strength to do what I do, and I'm blessed that I can have that opportunity. Still, it's not like it was, it's not as easy as it was, but I'm still at it, and I enjoy it, and I love doing things like this for you, Ben. It's, uh, you, you you made some great inroads in this business, and you're the future. And that's why I do this for you. I appreciate that very much, and and you've been a big part of uh, a lot of those inroads. So. Thank you for that, and thanks for coming on, Rich. As always, keep it in the ring. Enjoy the fight tomorrow night. My thanks to Rich for taking the time to come on, especially ahead of what guarantees to be a busy baseball winter meetings. The hour certainly flew by as both the Yankees and Mets appear to be on the brink of some big moves, plus the boxing landscape that Rich and I talked about seems to be extremely bright. You can catch Rich's column on New York Sports Day and stay up to date with him on Twitter at Ring786. Also, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BenjaminBlock21. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Let me know what you think of my podcast. Until next time, this has been Benjamin Block. Thanks for listening.